Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Renee. And I'm Melissa. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. Melissa, 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 how are you doing? (laughs) You know, I'm doing pretty well. Um, Probably unlike most folks who had the three-day weekend, I did not do much. I actually had more of like a reset weekend, which I love of just being able to not do anything, think about anything, be a vegetable for a little bit, a little couch potato. Um, Didn't help that I got a little sick, but I think my body, I think they say like, if you don't rest, your body will tell you when it needs to rest. And Mm -hmm. my body was communicating with me this weekend that I needed to rest. So rest and reset. What about you? Oh, I love I love that you got to rest. I love a couch potato weekend. I had the opposite of a couch potato weekend. I actually just got back from a week-long trip in Turkey with one of my good friends, uh, which was incredible. But I'm a little jet lagged. <laughs> but otherwise, <laughs> I feel great. I, I was actually speaking to a coworker today and she just on an internal meeting and she said, Oh, I can feel your energy so high. You're glowing. And I'm like, I know that I'm, this is why I advocate mm. for people to take their PTO, even if it is just for couch potato days or just to walk around your neighborhood. It doesn't have to be an expensive excursion. I just think taking, taking a rest is important. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you got that. And hopefully it helps with, with you feeling a little under the weather. Yeah, it did. It does not compare to Turkey. I would take being um, tired in Turkey over being tired in America, <laughs> but <laughs> but you do have that vacay glow. I believe in it. I did. I also. Well, you'll be proud of me. I did submit some PTO last week. They're not huge trips, but they're a couple. I, I scheduled at least all of June, all of my PTO for June. So. I feel Ooh. I feel good about that. <laughs> I feel very proud of you and I'm ex- sometimes it's nice to have some of the smaller trips as well because then it makes each week feel a little smaller or it's a shorter window where you're mm. looking forward to something. So I do like I I like both. I appreciate a big blockbuster vacation and just a little 3-day weekend or a day off in the middle of the week when you need to catch your breath. So that's, That's fair. Awesome. Do you know some of those Instagram accounts who are like corporate, whatever, you know, and they tell you all the days to take off in the year so you get the most out of your PTO days? Um, I didn't mean to do that. But when I when I actually scheduled my PTO, I was looking at all of the next, I think, five weeks that I have. And only one or yeah, only one of them was a full week. <laughs> Oops. I worked at... <laughs> I worked at a company where there was this old uh, gentleman, I think he was in his 60s, who worked with us. He was so delightful. He, just, he had like a great personality. And maybe part of the reason why was that he was like, at this stage in my life, I'm not doing these big vacations where I'm jetting off to Europe. And he just used his PTO to give himself a four-day week, like every couple of weeks. So he frequently Love just it. had these three-day weekends sprinkled throughout the year, and it was just such a smart strategy. I mean, you know, he was in a different phase in life. He wasn't doing, let's take the kids <laughs> to Disney World, let me see XYZ mm. country or city. He just he just wanted to relax, um, but work hard. He, he, was, he was great. 
There's someone that I work with currently as well. Um, I won't like call him out or anything in a good way. I'm actually complimenting him. Um, and he, I feel like is also someone who is, uh, of an older age on their way out of the workforce probably soon in the next like few years or so. And I admire so much of how much vacation that he takes. FYI, folks, this might have to be another podcast episode because it's, uh, we'll need to talk about it. I work for a company that does have unlimited PTO, the good, the bad, the ugly of it. Um, and I just feel like this person I work with takes the best in best of ways advantage of it. And he's just always a delight to work with because I think he takes the time to take time off work. So yeah, tip of the day, take your PTO, please. Take your PTO. I love that. Um, transitioning a bit into our topic for today, I know many times when people think about piloting or making a change or doing something new, particularly in the workspace, like your work, productivity, career, whatever word you want to use to describe it. One of the things that holds people back is this fear or concern about, do I have enough experience to do something new? Or do I have the right educational credentials to enter a new space? So I wanted to open this conversation up, Melissa, and just ask, what are your thoughts on education versus experience? This is a this is a good one. And I feel like I probably am going to talk my way into things and then talk my way out of things. And I'm I've personally been trying to figure out what like my point of view is because I think in the last decade it's changed. I mean, we are of the same generation, born in the same year. And we are both from immigrant families. So I think that also has an influence on – I mean, I'm, I might be projecting my opinions on yours, but uh, no, education, no. for example, has always – it's always a hot topic. Um, for those who don't know, I'm Filipino-American. Um, first generation, My both my parents were born in the Philippines. And so it's just natural, Asian-American – I mean, a lot of other – cultures, but I'll just speak to the community that I'm in. Asian American, like it, education is so highly valued. And so I spent my life thinking that is, that's the answer always education. People can't take your education away. Knowledge is power. Um, but now that I'm like in the actual workforce and have graduated with a bachelor's degree, I don't know. My mind on this has changed and I'm way more flexible around defining what education is and also defining what experience is. And I'm a little bit more like it's so situation-based. I feel like there's definitely careers where education is needed. Uh, like there's a lot of, you know, I mean, I guess the things that are quote obvious to me would be becoming a doctor <laughs> I think there's uh I would, you know, I I portray someone who is seeking a degree with a doctorate degree and, you know, being a neurosurgeon for example, I would want them to be literally educated um in that and trained. But then it's also at the same time though, there's like that experience component of it. It's like, well, when I think about it now, I'm like is it do I care that they went to John Hopkins or do I care that they've 
they have 10 years of experience on their belt. And I would trust them with my mother if they're doing brain surgery on her. I don't know. I, like I said, I just went all over the place again because my own views on this are like, no, my, I don't know if I can copy that sound, but <laughs> my views are also quite, <laughs> if, if, it, if it gives you any consolation. Um, I think you're right that it is very situation based. So I had a good friend who she used to work in public relations and PR and she made a pivot to become a lawyer. She just wasn't really fulfilled in her PR career anymore. And wow. that was a change that required, yeah, she had to go back to school in her 30s to go to law school. And she already had a bachelor's and a master's degree in PR communication. So for her, it did require an educational investment. But, you know, maybe if she was pivoting from PR to becoming a baker, you know, maybe she doesn't need to go to culinary school. Maybe she can be, you know, like we're in an age where there are certain industries or certain fields where being a home trained person isn't frowned upon. Sometimes people actually look fondly on that and appreciate it. Like I I'm, I'm learning a foreign language. I don't think my language teacher is like a trained teach professional, like educator with an education degree, but she has an approachable mm -hmm. style. She's worked with students for many years. She has resources that are very beneficial. And so I don't care if she has a formal education in it, to your point, she has the experience and the, like, just, I keep saying the word experience, but her, like working with her, I feel like I'm getting what I need. And I apologize in advance. Like my jet lag brain might just be a little bit in circles <laughs> in this episode. So feel free to cut me off at any point if I don't make any sense. I love it. Um, so I was reading this article. I, I really got to find some new resources though. I think it's Harvard Business Review again. Um, and it talked about, let me see if I can like find the actual quote here, but it said long story. Okay. Yes, here it is. Direct. There's a direct disconnect between education and employability. And so I think huh, there's like different sections of my brain when I think about education versus experience. Like one of them is the, like society, societally, <laughs> culturally, how we view education in general. Like I, I feel like at least in America, we put, or historically, we've put a high value on having an education. Um, I can speak to my family where you, they're just like, just get a degree. Like, just finish school, even if it may not necessarily reap the most benefits for me. Like, at the time, just get an education. No one can take that away from you. Um, but then when I think about, like, the, the school and education that I have, do I think where I am now in my career, could I have gotten to that point without my education or that my oh. college education? Um, my answer is I think I could have. Um, and for folks, I'm in marketing, um, but I got my degree in 
public relations and a minor in um, sociology. I like to, I like to sprinkle that in there. <laughs> um, but what I learned, I mean, I, I, I feel like it's funny that I majored in public relations because I'm not in it. <laughs> Renee is, but I'm not. I did the opposite. I didn't, I didn't major in public relations, but I'm now working in PR. So <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, super interesting how you like end up where you are anyways, but most of the, where I am now is because of the quote real life experience that I've gotten in education. So it's like, but at the same time, I would, I don't regret getting my education. Like, I feel like it taught, it may not have taught me the skills I need to succeed in my career, but it taught me other skills that helped me understand working hard, working towards Mm -hmm. a goal, working with other people, working under immense pressure. Um, Could I have gotten a similar experience taking school out of the equation? Potentially. Um, And it's just difficult because like college here and education here is expensive and it's not fair by any means. And it's not, it's a broken system in its own way. And at the end of the day, colleges are institutions and very much how like hospitals are businesses. So are universities. So I go like, I backtrack and I go back and forth because at the end of the day, some people are making money off of telling kids that they need to get an education, even though an education may not necessarily equal success in whatever success they need to get at. But we're all told you, it's better if you do. And I don't know if that's true. Like for me in my career, I'm glad I did. But I don't know if I would maybe force the same sort of ideals or path to like one of my younger cousins, for example, if I don't think they really need it. Ah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like you, I... I am an immigrant. I'm I was born in Jamaica. I we moved to the US when I was 13 and similar I guess to Asian American culture, Caribbean Americans, there is a strong emphasis on education. I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree. So I am heavily I've matriculated through the formal education like post-secondary education system a couple times. But you're right. It's it is really expensive. Uh actually saw a stat that according to the Department of Education at the end of 2022 last year, the average federal student loan debt in the U.S. was $37,574. So that's Mm. over $37,000 in federal student loan debt per person alone. That doesn't include all of the private loans that people take out, any personal loans that they might be doing with their families. It is really taxing if you aren't able to take advantage of, you know, federal grants and aid, um, scholarships, whether that's academic, athletic, you know, artistic, whatever. It, it is really expensive. And, and you mentioned earlier on that you think you could do your job without formal education. I agree that I know I have the cap- capabilities And the things that I learned to do my job well, I learned through experience. 
but it's really unfortunate that I don't think anyone would have looked at me and given me a chance had I not gotten my bachelor's degree. And I think Ooh, that right. is what That's a really point. frustrates me. Yeah, no, I mean, 100%, like, my, like I said, my degrees are not in public relations. I'm an English mm-hmm. major, very proudly so. I also studied um, like communication, but in more of an academic context, like media studies, rhetoric. Um, and my graduate degree is in just mass communications as a whole. And again, there was a lot of communication law, communication theory, Marshall McLuhan, like I was not doing press releases and Mm. media strategies in my, in any of my degrees, but I don't think my resume would have gotten past a hiring manager or a program without saying, here's where she got her bachelor's degree. And I think to your point, that is really broken and it is really messed up because what does me having read Tolstoy and Virginia (laughs) Woolf make me more qualified for a job than someone who has done internships or who can just come on the job and is a fast learner. It, yeah. yeah it, it, there is a lot of social, social messiness tied in with that. And unfortunately, a lot of that tends to fall on lower income people of color and women mm-hmm. and immigrants. Um, and it's, it's just, yeah, it's really frustrating. Uh, you, asterisked something (laughs) in my brain um and to your point like yes now I'm thinking about it and yeah I don't know if I would have really gotten my foot in the door and maybe that's what it is education at least now when I say this some of it may be generally but I'm also just speaking to my own experience so you know for those who are listening if if you're in a completely different field than I am which is in marketing it's it's probably there may be some similarities but it definitely does not equal the same experience as like residency or things like that (laughs) just want to make that Uh clear um but when i think of education it it, at least for me it feels like that's gets you the foot in the door whether it's right or wrong that it has that it does that but it gets you in the foot gets your foot in the door and experience keeps you there um, but the problem with the whole foot in the door that you were mentioning, I mean, I have some stories where in multiple companies I worked for, the type of narrative that they would like certain hiring managers would talk about for hiring an intern was ridiculous. That plus how people mm. view hiring entry level positions makes me honestly want to vomit. And it's so. Like I've been lucky and I've been privileged to be able to get certain internships and get my foot in the door in certain places because – not because I'm like this fantastic person, um, but because I knew somebody. And it sucks that it's always like that. But like one story in particular is where – when I interned in a marketing agency, the – I was like 20 – Four, 24, 25, 24, 25. And I had some like intern experience, but I took some like took some time off between getting my degree and like getting into the workforce. I was so burnt out and I was like, I'm going to do stuff that has nothing to do with my job. Um, and so when I became an intern, I was a little bit older and I wasn't like a college student. 
quick so, question about this internship. Yeah. Was it paid or unpaid? This one was paid. Okay. Luckily for me, out of college, I was able to get paid internships. I think though, good question, Renee. I think if I was in college though, they would have made it unpaid, which is a whole mm. other thing because yeah. – uh, Yeah. Um, but through this program, like I've just run into multiple – I've butt heads with a lot of people hiring interns through multiple businesses because every time it would come up to like the last few people that they wanted to hire – some folks didn't even get like a second look because there's there's this one person who wanted to pivot her career. Uh, I forgive me, I'm not getting her other career correctly, but she was essentially like a field scientist in some way, shape, or form. Like she tested water and like worked in the field to test water quality. Uh, I hope that's right. Um, long story short, she had. No experience in marketing. She wanted to pivot her career and she was in her 40s. And so she applied to her internship program. And I kid you not, I literally had to fight to even get her an interview, which is insanity to me. And then I had to fight even harder to even get her the internship. And the whole argument was, well, I don't feel like it's fair for someone who's 40 to get an internship when we have kids in college who need the internship. Like, that was the story. <laughs> I was like, what? And I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. And there's been multiple other, like, interns through that company I worked for where they had full-time jobs and wanted to dip their toes into marketing. And I think an internship's the – this um was their way in. And I even had the same experience in another agency I worked at where someone who was our age uh, was um, coming from a clean energy job, wanting to become an intern at a brand agency. And also that tone came up where it's like, well, you know, I just don't know. I would rather extend this internship to a college student than I would to someone changing their career. And I just fundamentally Ugh. disagreed with that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, why? Like, I, no, I actually think I'm not saying give it to this person because they're older. Like, I'm like, they just sound like someone who is so gung ho that they want to make this pivot in their career. And because they've worked in the workforce before, I really truly believe that they would make an impact at our company and they would, it would be mutually beneficial. And like us giving them like a true understanding of what it's like to work at an agency and they have the respect and the work ethic and the ambition to work hard on the internship, not just to – not that anyone would – I don't know. Some, some You know what? Some interns would do this to check a box um, to get their, I don't know, college credit. Now, not to generalize college interns, but – there, you know, I don't know why it's just for college students to have an internship. Yeah, um, that it's was a long story, ageism. but <laughs> it's giving ageism yeah. to me. I think um, I don't know if you ever saw that TV show Younger, where they mm -hmm. it was the whole plot was about this exact reason where this woman in her forties who 
was out of the career force. In her case, she had stepped out because um, she had caretaking duties at home. She was a stay-at-home mother, but people didn't want to give her an intern because of her age. So she lies and pretends she's in her 20s, which it just feels really punitive. Like, why are you punishing someone for not knowing when they were 19 in college exactly what they wanted to do for the rest of their lives? So if you didn't have it figured out at 20, you're stuck in whatever career you picked back then. That's uh, Excuse mm-hmm. my language. That's fucking bullshit. Like, I think that's so <laughs> ridiculous. And right it on. really gets me fired up <laughs> because why? I understand wanting to create opportunities for people who are younger, lower income, they might not have the same networks in terms of, you know, relationships and people who can put in a good word. Like, I'm not saying that we should not create opportunities for those people. But again, I just believe that it's an internship. It's, it's an opportunity to learn and grow. And if they meet the certain criteria, no one's saying you have to give all of those opportunities to all of the 40 year olds. But give people a chance to grow and mm-hmm. and change their mind. And to your point, people who will be very committed. Um, we don't know necessarily that someone in their 40s is in a better financial place either than a college student. Like, yeah. you just don't know. Some of these kids could have a ton of family wealth in college, whereas the 40-year-old might be living paycheck to paycheck and would be a better financial aid sort, you know, kind of candidate. It's just you know, they're a different phase in life. So yeah, that, I don't know. The internship. And it takes a lot of things frustrating. No, I'm done. Yeah. It, it, and it also just takes a lot of courage to Mm. be an intern, be an older intern. Like I was only like 24 and that already to me felt like, oh my gosh, like what's the, And I don't care about this anymore, but definitely when I was younger, what do the impression people get with me when I'm like a 24-year-old intern? Like I am, quote, three years behind my other cohorts here. And, you know, Mm -hmm. even though I don't agree with that, I'm sure that is where my 24-year-old brain was. Um, And, you know, the same. If I decide to pivot careers at this point and the only way I can become – I don't know, an accountant, <laughs> for example, I never would. Uh, but there's like this internship program <laughs> to work in an accounts payable department. Uh, the amount of courage that I would have to have to step outside of what I know and what makes me confident to then step into this whole field and people knowing I'm like a bit older and I'm having to learn something new, like that takes a lot of courage. And you you brought this up earlier about like the systems like w- there should be a case for and there should just be a better transition from college to workplace um i think in the article i shared and maybe it was a forbes article i'll i'll share both in the show notes um there's like a lot of larger companies are now creating programs to help that transition uh, between and it might not necessarily even be a college education, just education in general, like certificates or like a boot camp or things like that. There's a lot of like alternate ways of defining education than just a college education, um, which I'm like super appreciative. And I wish when we were growing up, I just felt like a lot of that wasn't 
maybe it was shared, but just because it was so just like drilled in my head, no, you get a four-year education. I didn't even mm-hmm. consider the alternate routes to getting to where I want to be, like trade school, um, yeah, community colleges, boot camps, uh, certifications. And yeah, like now if I was like, maybe a 19-year-old Melissa, and I'm like, I want to be exactly where 30-something-year-old Melissa is at now. I could probably get there through some Google Analytics certifications, some LinkedIn learnings, and an internship. <laughs> yeah. I think Without also paying like 30000 about- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's expensive. And I think, too, we don't talk about enough when we – talk about education is that there's also this unspoken hierarchy or classism in where you get your degree from sometimes that people don't want to acknowledge, which again, tends to favor people who can afford to pay for or afford to go into debt to attend some of these splashy private schools. Like you mentioned, the John Hopkins is the Harvard's, the Princeton's, like these name brand schools. I I was reading an article in the New York Times about the struggle for lower income students who are looking for big tech Mm. internships at some of these major companies. You know, they say STEM and tech careers are very uh, valuable, like financially, there's going to be a huge future for them with AI and all of these new things moving forward. But in the New York Times article, which I will share in the show notes. It says that some students at lesser known public universities said that they felt at a disadvantage compared with their peers at powerhouses like Stanford, Stanford, MIT, Georgia Institute of Technology, etc. Students also said that many of these big tech companies like Microsoft and Google have internal referral systems, which help employees refer or recommend potential candidates for jobs or internships. And that students at lesser known schools often lack the kind of industry family or elite university connections that lead Mm. to employee referral. So even when you are doing quote unquote, what society says you should be doing, you're getting that four-year degree. Sometimes the system also rewards certain degrees more than others. I mean, in my career in PR, I've worked with CEOs of impressive household name companies. And I remember I had a conversation with a CEO and founder who is a Harvard Business School graduate. And they said to me, the biggest thing that they took from this expensive education was just networking. They didn't feel that they were getting a better education. Yes, there might have been professors or guest lecturers in the program who are better known. I mean, they're not saying that the education was invaluable, but that the biggest takeaway was that they could network when they were getting ready to fundraise for their product. They had peers who were leaders of other splashy, fun companies. They could use the name Harvard you know, Business School to get into certain rooms and doors. So sometimes you're not even paying for the education. You're, you're paying for this exclusivity or to be a member of this club that you can cash in that is really just rooted in classism and it excludes, it, it, it doesn't reward, it doesn't always reward you for being a harder worker, being smarter or getting more 
achievement. It, it, it ends up rewarding people who can afford to get in those rooms. Mm. And then we just end up in a cycle again because those folks end up at the top and then it just spirals again and again and again. And yeah, I don't know how we fix the system other than just I'm hopeful of our generation and future generations that people will just I love how much more open people are around defining what education is. I think companies need to catch up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> catch the F up. Okay. Um, and just be more open to nonlinear paths. Um, and because I mean, fundamentally, yeah, I mean, yes, I, I had, I was like traditionally untraditional where I got a traditional quote, tr- quote, 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 traditional four year education. And then I took some time off, did a bunch of random other jobs and then ended up now in like a more like true nine to five. Um, who knows what the future will hold for me though. But that's been my journey thus far. <sighs> and I actually, once upon a time, I got to speak at my um, at my college that I went to, and they 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 approached me because they really wanted me to talk about my nonlinear path. Like that was the the essence of the whole like panel I was on, and I was just like. This is amazing. I wish mm. when I was at the school, like I got to hear and I spent more time just less focused on like, I don't know, certain like quote milestones and just like, I don't know, actually got to talk to real people who tried things out, who pivoted and then ended up where they were. Because let's say like, even though can you directly correlate my experience now as a brand strategist to teaching English to five-year-olds in Spain? Yes and no. But me living abroad gave me skills that you can't possibly give me in a classroom. And those skills include resilience. Those skills include independence. Those skills include communication. (laughs) You know, like there's just... And I love, I love to hear it. I love to hear and meet people who just did things their own way. And I think there just needs to be a mix in companies of folks who like, you know, I'm not trying to dig or shame at people who follow their path. Like some people just know and education and higher education is the way to get there. And then some people who are equally as successful or more successful, or however you want to define it, come from a different way. And you're able to like learn from each other. And I don't know, I just feel like our views on education is are changing just culturally. And I hope that means the same for companies, because I'm not really seeing as huge of a shift in my own personal experience that I've had. But if I'm also being fair, I, before this company I worked at now, I worked at smaller companies. Um, Uh And, you know, in North Carolina. So, you know, I'm not working for like a big agency in like New York City, for example, who might be flooded with a little bit more 
diversity in the sense of being more open-minded about what experience means and what education means. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I don't know. I mean, in defense of companies, I, I understand that these hiring departments are probably flooded with so many resumes and candidates, and that many times education is probably an easy and in their minds, a relatively fair way of starting to whittle down the candidate pool. So I I, I recognize, mm-hmm. you know, that you know, if I'm getting a thousand resumes, in order for me to start cutting them down, if I start introducing certain must-haves, like must have a bachelor's degree, great. Now we can sweep out a couple hundred here. Must have XYZ skills. That's probably where this is coming from. I don't, it might not be coming from a malicious, it probably is not coming from a malicious place. I will say in my experience, because I'm someone who I personally really enjoy education And so I don't have any regrets about it, even though I don't think my college or graduate degrees necessarily taught me the hard skills of my job. I think I learned those primarily through internships and just being an employee, like my early years is where I learned the nuts and bolts of doing my specific job. But I do find that in my case, education taught me a lot of soft skills particularly I, I studied liberal arts. Like I said, I'm, I'm an English major. I learned how to think for myself, how to like read texts and come up with my own opinions through education. I learned how to, you know, thrive or at the very least survive. And in my case, I would say thrive in environments where unfortunately I was in predominantly white spaces as a black woman, which didn't know I'd need that skill so much in my working life, but I, I learned how to do that <laughs> in college as well. I made connections with people to that, you know, CEO's point I mentioned before. No one has ever put me in touch with, hey, come get this job at this fancy place. But, you know, I did, I made friendships, which which is important, just like personal relationships. And I did make, you know, people who could be references for future jobs. So I, I'm not anti-education by any means. I personally loved my education experience. I loved it so much. I just went straight on and went to grad school, but I don't think that everyone has the same aptitude. There's some people who just don't do as well in formal, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't test well. Their GPA scores won't be the highest, but they can give as much, if not more, in in certain fields when they're just rolling up their sleeves and doing the work. And so to mm-hmm. your point, I, I am hopeful that we just create a space where both and maybe even more opportunities that we haven't thought of yet are recognized. Because like I said, me knowing how to read Virginia Woolf does not make <laughs> me a better or more apt candidate than someone who has been working at their parents' shop and learns how to deal with customers, problem mm-hmm. solve on the fly. Like I I don't I don't see why having a university name on a resume necessarily gives any more insight into what that person is capable of with the right training um and patience yeah. and investment and development. And, you know, I think we agree on this statement and and you mentioned it just right here like it's not for everyone. And how do we create systems and opportunities that are open to everyone and can make everyone Mm -hmm. feel 
their version of success um, and our society in general, just being more open to those like nonlinear paths. I think we're, we're, we're getting there. Um, and I'm hopeful that, I don't know, they're just are opportunities outside of like a formal education where, or there continues to be opportunities outside of formal education that, um, can get people in the door and to lead them into more successful positions in any which way. Um, because yeah, there's, there's a lot of, of stuff as like a, as like a college student that you like being able to dedicate your time to actually studying and not working and not having to worry about your tuition. Like a lot of that is added stress that, um, a lot of individuals can't focus on. Like I was lucky enough where, for the most part, that's all I had to focus on. I, I did work so that I can have some like money for trips and my food and gas, but I never necessarily had to worry about my rent or things like that. And that mm-hmm. helped me be able to focus and carve out time to be a full-time student. Um, so yeah, I'm hopeful that, I don't know, times are changing. <laughs> And I agree with you. Like, I don't regret my, I don't regret my college education at all. I think there's two, like, it's just being around, like, there's never a time in my life again where I feel like I'm going to be around people of similar age and, like, of similar, like, mindset, I can say, of, like, you just, like, working towards, like, a similar goal. Like, we're all here for the most part, I think, to get an education and it like it was really fun and it was like a beautiful time in my life where I strengthened a lot of like relationships. I um, didn't love all my professors, but I loved like a handful of them. And that was what really created like my college experience was having those like really good relationships with my professors. Um, and I've always joked like, I don't know, later in my career – I could see myself being a professor. <laughs> yeah, you would be a good um, professor. I just, you know, I, I want. I, I think what I saw, not the professors that I did like, but I saw a lot of professors who just all they did was formal education, which is fine, and they didn't have like a lick of experience in the workforce. So I would come and like ask questions about like, okay, but like in real life, like. <laughs> What what is like a day in the life of a, I guess at the time like a, um, strategic communicator like, and they really couldn't really answer me. All we talked about were like case studies and mm. crisis com and all these things that were. I'm like, but I don't know. And I I think there's some nice there the the professors that I preferred were the ones who like worked and then became educators after working in the field my yeah. own personal experience though i mean this is a comp this is a topic for another episode but for me my favorite college moments and professors and classes had nothing to do with my job or any job <laughs> like again it taught me how to think it just opened my mind and i also don't think that education has to has to always be for a goal. I think in America, where you are paying Ooh. on average 
over $30,000 in student debt, then yes, you need to be very strategic about what you're doing in school because that's not a small amount of money to invest. But I think in other places where college education is a little cheaper, maybe you get to take advantage of, of the other benefits of education, which is not just career prep, job prep, but learning how to learn and nurture that, you know, interests. I mean, some of my favorite classes, I took a class called animals and Japanese religion. I was <laughs> never going to be like a Shinto shrine monk or anything, <laughs> but I just said, this sounds fun. Like let's do it. <laughs> or, you know, the philosophy class <laughs> I mentioned before. So yeah, like I said, that's probably for another topic, but I think, Good point. I think with education, <laughs> like some of it is preparing for your job, but also, your whole life isn't preparing for a job. <laughs> you can also just learn things and enjoy things that have nothing to do with work. That's true. I feel I felt so much pressure to have it all figured out in college that I think I took two quote fun classes. Like I took an art drawing class, lol, and it was like with charcoal and pencil. <laughs> I was awful at it. Um, <laughs> and then I did think that I wanted to be a speech pathologist for a minute. But what ended up happening is like I took (laughs) – yeah, I took those (laughs) classes for like three weeks, I think up to the point that I could drop it. And not the speech pathology one. I actually took that class, took the final, did not do so well. But hey, I I still graduated somehow. Um, But it's just like – it. it's a quote, financially costly mistake to experiment. And that's the really shitty part is like I couldn't just like take a class because it interests me or it exercised another part of my brain. And looking back, like I would have loved to have had more opportunity to take more of these like fun classes to just see, you know, like just to experience what it may have been like because it might have like sparked something in me. I did some of my favorite classes, which – Again, nothing really to do with my career, I guess. But I took like a photography class in college. It was a film photography class. And that was one of my like my most treasured class experiences in college. And just like being like just being creative for the sake of creativity and doing something I know that I personally love to do at the time, which was photography and know like this doesn't necessarily make me a better strategic communicator or whatever, but I think it ended up making me do, actually it did end up helping me be a better communicator because I was like taking time to de-stress and decompress. Mm. And then I could actually focus on other stuff because I, that was part of my, that was, I could label that as self care (laughs) being in a dark room and you know, all that, all that fun stuff. Um, (laughs) I love that. No, I think as we, as we move forward and we just see that more and more people are going to have non-linear paths and we're going to have multiple careers instead of one career, I -hmm. think being able to be flexible, both us as the individuals and how we approach education and gaining the necessary experience to move into these different fields, but also the systems on the receiving ends and how do they value and evaluate Mm -hmm. us, you know, 
looking at, oh, your degree is in this, or maybe you don't have a formal degree, but this is your life story and this is what you can bring to the table. I'm really excited to see where where that goes and how it opens up because to your point, some of the people who I've learned the most from in my working life have been people who have an interesting backstory. It it isn't always people who just had, and great if you do, I've also learned a lot from people who have known from middle school that they wanted to be in this career and have accumulated their own case studies, internships, experiences in that one path. I've learned from I've learned just as much from them as the people said, you know what? I lived in a van for a year. I was working on a sailboat in this other <laughs> career. I know, Melissa, I'm waiting for your van years. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we just need to celebrate the those different like that diversity of thought, not just risk takers. D- change makers and go getters. Yeah. Like I, I think as we, we talk about diversity in terms of like, do you have women? Do you have people of color? Do you have LGBTQ? Do you have people who just have a different path to get here? Like uh, that also snaps, adds something. Snaps, snaps. Um, and, and you can acquire that at any age. So I'm excited for the future and hope that people are just being thoughtful about you know, what experiences they acquire in their life and and what education, Mm -hmm. if they choose to pursue it or have, have access to it, you know, um, how they tell that story. Cause I don't think just putting like a graduation year or like a number of internships on a piece of paper really, I don't know if it really says that much. Yeah. It doesn't cut it anymore. No. (laughs) Give me the backstory, connect the dots. Yes. Team, I guess at the end of the day, yeah, team experience. (laughs) Team, tell your story. And that can include a mix of both experience and education. But don't just tell me you have a degree from Yale and expect that to mean anything to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Like, I'm not dissing education. I wish I had more friends who were like in Ivy Leagues and I can have conversations about because I would love to hear their point of view. Um but if you're gung-ho, I guess, yeah, gung-ho of education, I, I don't know. Sprinkle some experience in there. Live life. Enjoy live, it. Yeah, I agree with you. Sprinkle <laughs> some experience in there and live life. It'll, it, You will be better for it. <sighs> um, okay. Great conversation. But now, in true traditional form, I want to hear about your gold stars of the week. Okay, my gold star of the week is one of my favorite apps on my phone. It's called Pocket. If you don't use it, so Pocket allows you to save articles and web pages that you come across on your phone. There's also a browser integration, so you can do it on like tablets, desktop browsers, and it downloads all of your articles that you save into a Pocket on your mobile device. You can add tags to organize them. Like these articles are travel-based, home decor and renovation-based, recipes, you know, whatever. And these articles are available offline, which is great because I'm someone who always has 100 tabs open in any browser, phone, laptop, you name it. And so it's nice. One of those. Yeah, that's my my brain is a hundred tabs open also. 
Um, yeah. So it helps to organize all these things that I want to read and look at, but maybe don't have the time to look at if I just came across it while I was, you know, on my phone while I'm waiting in line. And being able to access them offline is great. It's good for if you're in a city that has any underground subway systems and you services spotty when you're in the plane or, you know, I was traveling recently, so I was able to just go through a bunch of articles I'd pocketed weeks, months prior and get caught up on some some long reads or just other things. And yeah, I think it's probably one of the most used apps on my phone, Pocket. Nice. I've actually downloaded it, but I've never actually used it. Um, but you just convinced me. You sold me. So I have yeah, to try it great. out. <laughs> What's your gold um, star of the week? Okay. For some of the sports girlies out there, um, I'm not a sports girl, not a sports person per se, but the one sport that I do understand and that I am a fan of is basketball. Um, it has been heightened because of who my husband is, um, and he's a lover of basketball. Um, but I definitely loved it before him, but I didn't really know much. And so he's been teaching me. And what I will say and give him credit for is me falling in love with the story of Jimmy Butler. So my gold star goes out to Jimmy Butler and the rest of the Miami Heat because uh, this week they won the East Finals. They won the East Conference Finals, a.k.a. they are the East team to play against the West team and the championship will be on Thursday. Um, so cross your fingers, but they won. And Jimmy Butler is just honestly a story of resilience. He did not come from the best of backgrounds with the best of parents. Didn't even go to the best of schools. Didn't even, um, really play well and he had to work his way to where he is. And so many people dad, like doubted him and this whole team, this whole conference. And I think they had like a 3% chance of winning. And Jimmy Butler was basically like, I don't care what y'all think. We're doing it. And he did it. And it was just like really good basketball to watch. I just feel like it's not about like the, the flopping and the antics and the drama. Like he just plays ball. Um, so shout out to Jimmy Butler, Gabe Vincent, uh, Caleb Martin. <laughs> And uh, coach, I had to look up how to pronounce it because I'm horrible at pronunciation sometimes, but Eric Spolstra, who, uh, shout out because he's also Filipino-American. Ooh. Literally got emotional watching the basketball game, and I've never been an emotional person around sports. So that's my gold star. So proud of them. They have no idea who I am. I don't care. I'm so proud of them. Oh, yeah. Basketball is one of the sports that I enjoy as well because it is so fast paced um, and there are a lot of great stories in. Yeah. Hoop world. And I and I get into sports if I know what's going on. So I think if I actually had someone to sit down and, and teach me, let's say, like American football, for example, I could get I could probably get into it. Um, but basketball, my older sister played um, when we were younger. And so. I've just naturally, yeah, I just naturally gravitated towards basketball. I don't, I do not play. Fun fact, y'all, I went to a basketball camp when I was like 10 years old and was horrified. It was probably a traumatic experience. (laughs) And my poor coach, (laughs) like, 
just gave me he couldn't dare give me all ones in my scorecard so he gave me twos Aww. but let's be real like i should have been in the negatives i couldn't even dribble the freaking ball <laughs> i can just like i'm trying to picture you on a basketball court with all of these <laughs> other hyper competitive kids <laughs> I'm like, Dad, if you're listening, I don't know why you thought that was necessary. My cousin played, and I went to basketball camp with her. And so I think he just thought it would be, like, bonding. I'm like, Dad, if you truly knew who I was at 10 years old, you probably would have sent me to, like, a book camp. Or just, like, regular camp. Yeah. (laughs) Why basketball? (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I know we like to end on our manifest sesh. Um. What are you manifesting? I'm what I'm manifesting this week, and it's actually something I've been manifesting for the past year or so. I'm always manifesting this is to have the courage to try. I think mm. sometimes we get really bogged down in having to get it right, having to know all the steps, and I don't think that we should, and I'm speaking to myself in this, I'm not excluded from this. I don't think we should allow ourselves to hold ourselves back. I think have the courage to try, put yourself out there, see what happens. Uh, I, I just think for, for those of us with a little perfectionist in them, which I have been fighting in me for a while, because I know she's definitely in there. Uh, <laughs> just give yourself the courage to try. And it's okay if you fail. It's okay if it takes a couple tries to get it. It's okay if you try and realize it's not the one and that you want to try something else. But one of my favorite books is Just Kids. It's about Patti Smith and her friendship with Robert Maplethorpe. Um She's a poet, singer, writer, um, multi-hyphenate in every way. And he's a famous photographer. Um, so much of that book is just about how sometimes you don't know what your thing is until you just try something new. Mm. Like he didn't plan to be a photographer. He was working in other artistic mediums until he just said, let me try this. And it ended up being the thing that launched his career. So don't don't worry about if you know what's going to happen next or if you don't have a plan. Just try because you, you really don't know what kind of magic could happen from that. Renee, I almost forgot I was on a podcast. I literally thought I was just listening to you in a TED Talk for there for <laughs> a second. <laughs> um, and this is a pep talk I give myself. Um, I have been giving myself for months. I'm, I'm glad it sounds rehearsed. No, it I is, love it. it is. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I love that. I need to learn. I need to not learn. I need to take the time to try things to ignite that magic again. I think I was so much better at it when I was in my twenties. Maybe I had less, more time on my hands, less, less to lose maybe, but I need to enter that into my thirties. Um, okay. I don't have a beautiful quote for, my manifestation this week. But something that's been, I think, heavy on my heart lately is just this idea of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And it's so vague. It's just like that word. I'm manifesting forgiveness. Um, And I think there's a forgiveness. And maybe it's like an extension of reading the book Boundaries, I think, too. And something that I haven't really been good at with setting some of my boundaries was 
allowing people just to take up a lot more space in my heart than it really needed to be. Um, and so I think forgiveness isn't necessarily for them. It's for yourself, actually. And it allows you to trim the weight and get the weight off of your heart. And at the end of the day, it gets you to peace. And that's some, like that's part of the goal. Um, I think it's happiness, it's peace. And so I'm manifesting for myself to also forgive myself in many ways too. Sometimes I'm your 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 harshest critic. Uh so learning how to forgive that for just forgive moments of times when people weren't their best selves towards me and not not hold on to that and not let it harden. Um, so yeah, forgiveness to the path of peace. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Prioritize peace, prioritize your peace with through forgiveness and just letting it go. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Prioritize your peace and protect it. I know, um, an old manager coach of mine has always said that protect your peace, Melissa. So I'm learning. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. That's a good reminder. We we all need to be better at forgiving others. And like you said, especially forgiving ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. I love that. I like, I love that we end on those notes. These manifestations. I love, I love the manifest sessions because every time you say something, I'm like, ooh, I want to manifest that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so moving forward, let's just say that whatever you manifest, I'm probably manifesting myself. Like I said, I literally thought I was in a TED Talk. I was just like, oh, wait, we're recording. What am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) You're so kind. Um, But yeah, no, 100% likewise. You can never be around too much just like good energy from people. So thank you for sharing space and your good energy with me Um, and everyone who's listening today. Yes, we really appreciate it. We appreciate all the support so far. Um, yeah, more links and, and things in our in our show notes and look forward to talking to you next week. See you next week, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.